Hey yo! Welcome to Fantasy on Draft. We are on episode numero 14. I'm NMFL with my co-host Miyagi Boka. Howdy, howdy. Man, this was an interesting week of football and an interesting week of fantasy football. I saw that ESPN had their two favorites to make the Super Bowl now as the Bucks and the Patriots after Mac Jones threw just three passes on Monday night and the Pats handled the Bills. Yeah, I mean, three passes, if that doesn't light your world on fire and automatically put you into a Super Bowl, I don't know what will. And, I mean, only a 66 completion percentage. He's been higher than that lately. What a loser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was a, you know, interesting week in fantasy. I had a big win in fantasy this week. All right, not really, but it was beating your super team, so that was fun. But then my super team couldn't score 30 points from Patty, Patty Mayonnaise, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Travis Kelsey, so F me, am I right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you get because it, it's a bit of karma. You know, you took the, the low road and took your loss a few weeks ago against your super team uh, out on me, and, and you're better than that. You shouldn't really seek vengeance. It rots the soul, and you didn't need to beat me in that, that league. It didn't really help either one of us, so nope. that's probably why that happened. And I mean, you, 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 got, you definitely earned the win. You had the highest point total. I had the second highest point total. Yeah, that's a bummer when that um, happens. But, but what was even more frustrating was that fucking Bills-Patriots game where I'm watching it. I needed 20 points between Josh Allen and Dawson Knox. And if you saw the, the, the game, you knew Knox had passes just flying off of his hands. Um, Josh Allen didn't even start throwing passes really until the fourth quarter. Yeah. And when you see him doing it, he was capable of driving the ball in the wind. I know it was high gale, like 50-mile-per-hour winds, but that dude was slinging the ball 40 yards down the field on a rope, and it was not a problem. So it pissed me off that they weren't doing that. Yeah, they had a, they had one near the end of the game where he threw it to Knox in the end zone, and I don't think Knox straight dropped it. I think it got hit hit away. Yeah, the um, but it was close. The defender who was covering Knox, to be fair, was knocking. He knocked two of those passes in his hands directly yeah, out of his hands. Okay. Normally, a, a big strong tight end, they can kind of hold on to it, but this dude was ball hawking and just knocked the ball straight out of his grasp. He wasn't even trying to tackle him. He was that's right. Like that's just right. knocked the ball out, which is a good defense against a big strong tight end like that. You really need to focus on that because if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, it doesn't count as a catch. It doesn't right. matter how big he is. So um, I, I'll give the Patriots credit for that because you can see that that was coached up. That was exactly what he was coached to do. And it worked out well, and um, it just sucked. It's, it, it sucked to see um, th- that pace of play on a Monday night football game where you're excited that you could win or lose on a game and you're favored, and then just to see it slowly dwindle away over four quarters to just fuck. Yeah, that's the way my Sunday night was. Uh, Patrick Mahomes ran that touchdown oh. in early. I was like, okay, you know, that's a touchdown I need. We're on our way. And then he just didn't look that great. He threw two passes almost in a row uh, that Tyreek couldn't handle. Yeah. Bounced off his hands. One bounced off his hands for an interception. And I ended up losing by three. Yeah. And, and I remember texting you, too. I was like, dude, you got this. There's like yeah. nine minutes left in the game. You need four yeah. points. Like, yeah, you yeah. have three studs. You're <laughs> like, see, age will close it out <laughs> yeah. for you. <laughs> no, like, Ten no, minutes later, didn't. I was like, dude, I don't think it's looking too good for you, bro. <laughs> That's the way fantasy goes, yeah. though. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, little housekeeping for the week. Where to find us? We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> 
at Fantasy on Draft. That is D-R-A-U-G-H-T, Fantasy on Draft. Uh, we'd love you to like and subscribe, maybe leave a review. We're on Facebook at Fantasy on Draft Podcast. We also have a bad fantasy football trades page that we'd love to have you check out and send some bad trades so we can make fun of you on our podcast. Or not you, probably your you know, your league mates that are sending you shitty yeah, trades. I don't we think if you're sending those. out shitty trades, you're going to share them publicly. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, look at this shitty trade I just sent. I mean, that's something I would do. I'd be like, dude, look how drunk I was. <laughs> Oh, man. On today's episode, we're going to get into week 13. We'll get into news around the NFL. We'll talk some injuries, some regrettable start sits that we had. We're going to do a six-pack of the week, but we're actually going to do a 12-pack of the week where we're going to take turns and redraft the first round of the 2021 rookies now that they've got, well, the whole fantasy season under their belt, at least. Not the whole NFL season, but... We're going to kind of look back, see how we would have drafted if we did that. And we'll finish it off with uh, a bad trade, like we talked about. Somebody did send a bad trade. Somebody was drunk. (laughs) I hope they were drunk for that one. Me too. But first, let's get into our beer of the day. This is Treehouse Brewing Company. They are out of Charlton, Massachusetts. Um, They do not distribute, so you have to pull some strings and get somebody to send this to you. But... Uh, luckily, I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. Not really. I got lucky. <laughs> We're but, kind of a big deal, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, Treehouse Brewing. It's Juice Machine. It's one of their flagship, probably most sought-after uh, IPAs. Uh, have you tasted it yet? Do you have any uh, thoughts on it? Oh, I'm halfway through it already. I, I love the hell out of this beer. Um, it, Treehouse does a really good job of, I mean, they, they should because they were kind of the flagship that started erupting this hazy, juicy beer craze. Um, so all their beers are very, very turbid. They're very cloudy and they're very juicy. And that's generally what I want from a New England style hazy IPA where the last five years people were just not filtering their West Coast IPA and leaving sugars in it or pitching flour in it or doing all sorts of random shit to kind of get these flavors. And it's, it, it, it doesn't replicate like a true New England yeast, like real juicy, low bitterness, aggressively, I don't want to say aggressively sweet, sweet, but like for a beer, sweet flavor. And uh, especially in a double IPA, 8.2%, I'm, I'm digging the shit out of this. I like it a lot. Yeah, it is cloudy AF. Yeah. I mean, you can't see light through this almost yeah and we poured it a good 10 minutes before we started recording and if you have like a falsely cloudy beer you'll start to see like the sediment settle down at the bottom um in the in the bar world like people are like oh you have to turn your kegs upside down and roll them around to agitate the sediment and you shouldn't really have to do that in a true new england hazy ipa so yeah yeah this one is is staying hazy for sure um, I like it. it. It is there is some sweetness to it, like you were saying, but you still get some of the the bitterness that uh, I enjoy, and um, yeah, it is. It's definitely an easy drinker for eight point two. Oh yeah, I mean, you can get through a couple of these real fast, and then that would just make you start sending out bad trades. Door dashing. Door dashing. Yeah, I, I, I dig the flavors on this. I always look for, like, those nice tangerine, apricot, pineapple, like, really citrusy, fruity flavors, and uh, this one delivers it, so. It's definitely, definitely a beer. Um, I mean, you can, you know, drink this to yourself, no problem, but just 
because of getting it from Treehouse, it's definitely a beer you like to share. Uh, maybe something you would take to like a Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I was just what I was, you know, was going to ask if you put were it in the fridge. <laughs> just wait for the perfect moment to uh, share you know, it with share, share it with some with family members, family and yeah, friends. Yeah, you haven't seen in a while. You bond over some craft beer. You right. talk about some shit. You educate some people, and then instead, you know, sometimes just say hypothetically, if you do do that. Sometimes people will just open the cans in the fridge and take them straight to the neck, walk around the house, just chugging your treehouse beers. And uh, that's great, too. Not that that happened to me at my Thanksgiving. So you're saying your Thanksgiving was not just family and friends? There was also <laughs> family and friends and assholes? That you can intermingle all that together. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can, sometimes friends are family. Sometimes your friends are assholes. A lot of times your family are assholes, and sometimes those assholes drink your treehouse beer. <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah, that sucks, man. Well, I'm glad we're getting to enjoy this one, and if we're lucky enough to get more, we'll, we'll share it again. Um, new, new thing for the, the podcast. We're going to start rating the beers. Um, you know, do you want to go out of 10 or you want to go out of 100? Um, let's just do out of 10, man. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you want me to go first on this? Sure. Well, so I'm going to do it a couple different ways. Overall, how I enjoy the beer. Also, how I think it represents the style, right? Because those okay. are two yeah, different yeah, things. Yeah. Like, like uh, you, could, you could have the best Roush beer in the world and hate Roush beers. So it could be a sure. 10 and it could also sure. be a 2. So um, in my mind, I think this perfectly represents a New England-style hazy double IPA. So I think it's a 10 out of 10 for that. As far as how I'm enjoying it, I do love a, a good double IPA. And I enjoy um, specifically this one a lot. I have had better ones... Um, Ironically enough, from Treehouse, like the Bright Double, I love that one. That, I think that's my perfect hazy New England beer. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one a 9 out of 10 for, for how I enjoy it, um, which I'm hesitant to do the 10 and the 9 because it's setting such a bar for, like, the first beer we're supposed to be rating. Well, we've kind of picked one here. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, this is, like, a huge, like, flagship fucking white whale type of beer that people, like, wait years to acquire one and try. And there's a reason for that. It'd be like if the first beer we tried was a West Flatteran, like a Belgium right, beer that right. people like have heard about and have never acquired after 10 years of trying. Um, I would rate that beer accordingly. So I have to do the same thing with this. I don't want to shortchange it because it's the first one we're technically reviewing. So I'll give the style 10 out of 10, my preference 9 out of 10. Yeah, I think that you're right. The, the beer that we started with to rate beers is going to just lead to high ratings anyways. Um, I really like it. It's I'm going to just kind of rate it as an overall beer to myself, I think is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I really like it, but I think that I've made it known that what the East Coast is not my preferred style. Um, so I'm going to give it an 8.2. Nice. I think it solid. is a really solid beer. I am you know ecstatic to be able to drink it and try it and uh, feel special about that it just has a sweetness to it that where i like a little more punch but great beer um if you ever can get a hold of some treehouse somewhere if you're ever in a beer group and people want to send some out uh jump on it they do some you know there's different beer groups around that will do uh they call it um cost plus shipping yeah so basically somebody on there will post a thing and say i have this beer available a lot of times they do it C plus S is what it says. It's yeah. cost plus shipping. So yeah. basically you reach out to the person. They're going to charge you the $20 for the four-pack, and then they're going to charge you the 14 to $16 to ship it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pay that all. You Venmo them, you know, the 35 bucks, 
and then they ship it to you. Yeah. And you can, that's pretty much an easy way to get a hold of it. Yeah, um, and that price isn't outrageous. Like if, no, like if, no. you were to, if you were to go into a bar and you get a double IPA, it's eight bucks a pint. Like that's here in Chico, I don't know where it is, where everybody else is. But about eight bucks a pint for a double IPA is, is reasonable. And so to pay that for a 16-ounce can of one of the higher-end beers in the world, it's still, do it. Just do it. Yeah. And then you can drink it at home in your underwear or while recording a podcast in your underwear. Either yeah. Way. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, are we supposed to be in our underwear? You're not in your underwear? Shit. All right, guys, let's get into some news and notes from around the league. We'll get into week 13. Uh, we'll start off Minshew Mania. Love this guy. Gardner Minshew started for Philly, had a great game, was QB 11 on the week. <laughs> Eagles beat the – all right, it was the Jets, <laughs> but he won. He won. Is he won. there any chance there's a quarterback battle in Philly? So first I'm going to speak with my heart, and I say I hope so because I'm, I'm not shy about it. I just love Minshew's personality. I love his – fire that he brings to the field I, lo- I love his excitement and like dude's comedy gold he's funny as oh, shit yeah, yeah. he fully embraces like the mullet and the mustache look and just he's a goober dude he's just like a he's like a fucking goober you, and you it, saw him and his dad celebrate oh dude right? i loved it it was just so, so good so over the top just like yeah <laughs> like just i loved it if you haven't seen it youtube it it's funny yeah, um, it's great. It, what's what's really shocking too is like some people were turned off by that. They're like, "Oh, is it? like, dude, let the let the guy celebrate with his dad after a win, dude. Shut the sure, hell up. Sure. If that's gonna like drive you to go post something negative, then you don't need to talk to me anymore. That and type what's of shit. the argument that because he's second? Like, I mean, if if a starter goes and does that, I mean, if the one Tom Brady is not that level yeah. anymore. But I mean, when he was younger, if he did that, like the 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 argument you, that I saw was. Oh, you beat the Jets. Do okay, that. Sure. But still, it's like, dude just came off the bench. He won a game, and he's always been that type of person. That's what I love about him. He's fired up no matter what. And he's like... There was no... You cannot make an argument that their passing game was not better this week than weeks previous. I think the whole team looked better. I yeah. think Miles Sanders was running with some excitement. I think Goddard was cutting routes quicker and crisper oh, because he knew sure. he had a chance to get a ball pass to him every now and then now. I think even when Gain, a ball that he could catch is what I should have said. But even Gainwell, who I've been burnt by so many times in the past, he's just kind of dead on my bench to me. But even watching him play with Minshew behind center, knowing that like it's a functioning offense, like that's exciting. And uh, I think I don't think that there's a, a quarterback controversy because I've said it before. I can just kind of count on the Eagles right now to do the the wrong thing with their coaching. Um, but I sure hope that – I shouldn't say I hope Hurts is hurt for another week because I don't want him to be physically hurt. No, right, right. But I wouldn't mind seeing Minshew for one more week. Um, I, I don't have it in front of me on who they're playing next, but if, if it's another, like, reasonable – well, if it's a team with a reasonable defense and he goes out and he shows out, then I think there should be a quarterback controversy. Yeah. But um, – I mean, I, I just had a lot of fun watching him. I even had my Minshew jersey on. I got a Minshew jersey when he was nice. done with the Jags, dude. Because he did that whole montage with the Karate Kid soundtrack yeah, to it. Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, dude, this is my guy now. Like, that won me over. So Yeah, and it's tough, too, because I think we both liked Hurts coming out of college. Yeah. Um, I think that we liked his leadership that he showed and liked his personality as a leader of a team. Yeah. And I think that that 
for myself at least, that made me think, let's give this guy a chance and see what he can do. Right. And I don't think he's failed, but he hasn't succeeded. He I mean, for fantasy being a top 10 quarterback, yes, but I mean, how long does that last when well, your it, NFL team's bad? Yeah, it's like, I, what I thought of it as is, okay, I'm not going to automatically write this guy off as like a Tebow he's or not, something. That's exactly and, right. And, but, so I, I also wasn't saying, okay, he's like for sure legitimate. So I, what I did is I was like, I'll grant him, like I'll give him time to earn that um, opinion of mine, which is super valuable to him, I'm sure. But, you know, to um, prove to me that he can run an offense functionally. And that doesn't just mean him running in for touchdowns and winning games. I know that's the right, ultimate goal. Right. But when I say running an offense, that means, like, making your right reads, going through your progressions, hitting your receivers in stride, making the right adjustments at the line. All that goes into it, not just watching a play breakdown, running for 15 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. So I don't think he's done much to show that he can run an NFL offense. I do think he's shown that he's a type of player that can kind of will a team to a win on his own. And that's great for him if you have him as a starting quarterback in fantasy, and it's great for your team. But it sucks for Miles Sanders. sucks for Goddard. Yeah, um, Devontae, Devontae Smith. Smith had a couple good games. But, again, it's super iffy, whereas if he had – a competent quarterback you could count on him more consistently, which the irony is he had an off game with Minshew, but I think he was locked in on Goddard, yeah, and that yeah. showed through, like over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Sign me up for that. Um, so that's – that. I, I hope I hope um, Hurts continues to grow, but at this point, you know, you kind of see what you get. It's been an, almost a – has it been a, an entire year of him starting now, yeah, right? Yeah, probably. So um, you kind of have a whole – a whole sample size and I haven't seen a whole lot of growth as far as running a traditional NFL offense um, from him but I do still like him like yeah yeah me yeah. too I, I feel the same way I just just the way they looked with Minshew looked like an NFL yeah. team the way they look yeah. with Hertz looks like it almost looks like with Hertz that they're drawing plays in the dirt like yeah. you did back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you run here and you run over here. Ready, break. Yeah. Where I felt like with Minshew, it looked like they were running an NFL yeah. Yeah. offense. But, um, I, was it last week or two weeks ago we talked about the, the drinking buddies trade? <laughs> that was last week. Okay, so <laughs> we were talking about our friend Johnny, and he has some dark side pull to ruin players when he trades them or <laughs> trades for them. And he had traded... He traded for Gio Bernard, correct? Yeah, and I got Pascal. And it was just to kind of see what would happen. So they, yep. they made this trade, and it was to see how big of, I don't even know what you call it, the depths of hell Johnny can bring players how, down to. How dark his voodoo is. There you go, how dark <laughs> his voodoo is. So they made that trade, and then I was looking through something, and I got an alert, and I saw that for the first time <laughs> in his career – Gio Bernard had zero carries and zero targets. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's working. <laughs> you mad bastard, you've done it. You, yeah, <laughs> uh, traded two guys that are absolute nobodies, and one became less of a nobody than he yes. was for the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah. A little more research, and it turned out that that game was actually the game right before they made the trade. That was, like, the Sunday night game, and they made the trade on, like, Wednesday. Yeah. I just didn't see the alert on time, so it's not completely official yet that 
Johnny sends people down to the depths of hell. But we're keeping an eye on it. And this week wasn't good either. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this week, I mean, Gio Bernard has been somebody that you could flex in at, at times. Like, he definitely had activity. And this week he had one carry for three yards and one reception for seven yards. So ten yards um, for a drafted player. He was drafted right. um, in redraft leagues and in dynasty leagues. He wasn't just a free agent pickup. I mean, he did have some functionality to him. And, uh, yeah, he, he got absolutely nothing. Pascal didn't do much better, but we haven't really expected much from him anyway. I don't um, even know who that is. He's uh, basically DeAndre Hopkins light. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Tradable for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, Got yeah. it. I remember that episode too. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, man, the Detroit Lions have won a game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jared Goff threw the winning walk-off touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown as time expired to beat the Vikings. The Vikings who, yeah. I mean, they're in the playoff hunt, kind yeah, of. They were. <laughs> it was fourth and two. They had four seconds left. And he completed it. First time in Goff's career, he's won without McVeigh as his coach. I think that's the most incredible thing for his whole career. I mean, like, it, it, I heard that stat, and I think we even talked about it. Yeah. Where it's like, that can't be true. And it's like, I no, had, to, like, I had he, to go back and vet it. Yeah. I went back and looked, and Goff took over 2016. Mm-hmm. He took over with seven games left. So what is that, yeah. game, week nine or week ten, yeah. depending on the buy? Yeah. He took over. And the week prior, they had won six to nine. <laughs> and I'm trying to think who the quarterback was. I can't remember now. Who's the backup to, uh, to Baker? Oh, uh, Case Keenum? I think it was Keenum. Yeah. I think. And the Rams won uh, nine to six. They won that game. The next game, Jared Goff becomes the full-time starter, and they went 0-7 for the rest of the year. <laughs> yep. Then McVeigh took over in 2017. Yeah. So that he was 0 for those seven. And then since he'd been in the Lions, he was 0 in that, you know, whatever. And then the 13. one tie. So he had a tie. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, I like, I had heard the stat, and I believed it. It was from people I believed. Yeah. But, like, I just was like, how? Dude, yeah. How? Right. And that's what it was. He took over in, yeah, week nine. Yeah. And they lost along, yes, yeah, six I, to nine. I remember before. that when he took over, because he was the one one, and it was just like, dude, you guys traded your future for this. Like, okay, I get it. He's a rookie, but still, like, it was it was sluggish. It was just, ugh, like, yeah, that whole offense. And um, then McVay came along, and there's a reason he gets all the credit he does. He's, yeah, he's a yeah. fucking really good coach. It so, was fun though to see them win. They really celebrated yeah, well. Yeah. And, <laughs> Him and, Dude, uh, I like Dan Campbell. Yeah, <laughs> Campbell and Goff just Goff just ran straight to him, basically. It's like Minshew and, and his dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I like Campbell. Yeah. I, he's been doing some good stuff. I yeah. mean, they have they have lost so many games Dude, by the skin of their teeth. Just heartbreakers. So. Like that. What was it? A sixty-six-yard field goal. Yeah, to lose? Like, yeah. Come on, so like. it was good to see that. I was rooting for him. Uh, the touchdown was a little weird. The defense just let the guy run a curl and just be wide open. Yeah, yeah, he was... I, I mean, you'd think you'd protect, going, you'd protect the end zone a little bit. Well, they protected the end of the end <laughs> yeah, zone. They, they had the back, back cover. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta worry about that no, front line. You weren't running <laughs> a post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case he tries to throw a field goal, we're gonna block it. <laughs> uh, the Monday night game, man, that was, that was fun. That was weird. It was 
I don't know, though, to be honest, if I would have watched the whole game without watching the Manning cast. Yeah, the Manning cast was great this but, week. But, uh, yeah, New England Patriots, they win 14-10 uh, to 10 in Buffalo. Yeah. And, I mean, Buffalo's been a favorite to win the whole thing. I yeah. Mean, they're, they're looking, and they've looked good, too. But yeah. It was a wind game. The, uh, the Patriots, though, just ran the... Ball. Yeah, did you see there was, like, a point where they ran 32 straight run plays? So I think <laughs> that there was – and it was something like that was – right? It, was, it wasn't to start the game. So there was, like, he made his first pass 32 straight before he did his second pass attempt, right? I think there was a good, like, 15 plays before he even threw his first pass. No, 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 pass. right, right. Okay, 32 yeah, yeah. in a row. Oh, yeah, it was in the middle. It wasn't, like, to start the game. No, yeah, it was, it was like in the threw, middle. He yeah. threw a pass, completed it. Yeah. Ran 32 times, incomplete pass. Yeah. But, yeah, to have... Uh, that included halftime, too. So, right, like, right, they, yeah, they made yeah, halftime yeah. adjustments and still came out like, nope, fuck it. I don't know. They, the half, they threw two times in the second half. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, Damian Harris had a good game before he got hurt. Uh, he only had 10 carries, but he had 111 yards, had Dude, two pretty big runs. He had a good game even after he got hurt. He came back in and broke off a, what was oh, it, yeah, like a 20-yard run that yeah. would have been housed. If, if he didn't pull yeah. up, it would have been housed. Then Ramondre Stevenson, they gave him the ball 24 times, Mm -hmm. only 78 yards, but it would be easy to say that they were stacking the box. Yeah. Um, (laughs) When you know all they're going to do is run, yeah, like 78 yards is still really good on that many attempts. And, I mean, he looked – it was funny, too. He looked like he would just kind of run into the line and fall down until it was, like, third and five, and then he would get it. Yeah. And then he, he would, like, run into the line. <laughs> yeah, it was like, two yards, two yards, six. Yeah. Two yards. Like. And I think, too, is like, I don't know if this is a skill that they track or anything, but falling forward, like, he would plant his arm and get another two two yards, like, falling forward instead of just falling right on his body. He'd plant his arm and fucking stiff arm the ground and get another two yards, man. Yeah, Mac Jones, uh, just to complete the line, we already talked about a little bit, was two for three for 19 yards. He also had five carries for negative three yards and a fumble. I mean, that's just winning quarterback. That's play. winning football right there, man. Uh, I had a I had a parlay bet. It was it didn't come through because it was like five or six players. But one of them was Mac Jones over under six yards rushing, and I hammered the under yeah. negative three. Man, that would have been oh, that would have been great. You should get but. bonus points for that. And then you're right about what you were saying about Josh Allen. They kind of didn't figure out that he could pass through the wind until late. He ended up not good. He ended up 15 to 30. And I think some of those, I felt like it looked like the ball was moving right when the receiver went to catch it, and it wasn't quite where they expected it to be. Yeah. Because he had some funky ones that, like, hit him in weird places and they dropped Yeah, there was one where Stephon Diggs was on the sideline, and that's normally just a a handoff for them. And the ball, you could see the ball like flutter in the air and start to turn its trajectory. And yeah, St- uh, Diggs missed it by like a couple inches. Yeah, like, he he yeah. still could have caught it, but you can tell like it was out of rhythm. Yeah, it just wasn't quite where he expected. Yeah, it. yeah. and then um, and then they kind of figured out if they're throwing like with the wind because it was blowing left to right, so that was fucking everything up. So if you, they're blowing, or if they were throwing the ball with the direction the wind was blowing, that was hurting the passes a lot. But if they were throwing against the wind, it would hold its spiral and go where it needed right, to go. Right. And that's what they started doing a little bit later. And I, it just seems like something they could have figured out earlier. I was, <laughs> I was listening to the footballers this week, and they were talking about it. Mike Wright was saying how he wanted to see them 
just throw the ball oh, with the yes. wind like 90 <laughs> yeah, yards, you yeah. know, or, or 70 yard somebody field go goal. for the field goal <laughs> and kick, kick like a 70 yarder yeah. just to be like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to get that weather again. I mean, you might have fun with it. Make it work for you. Cause yeah, when they had the wind at their back, they were still running the ball and like they right. weren't taking those shots down the field. Right, I think right. the one, the one shot he did take, he threw like a, 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 it was in the air for 40 yards and that was against the wind. And it still, it got to where the receiver was. It was just off target a little bit and the defender had more of a chance to get to right, it. But right. it's like, dude, you could get the ball down there, man. Like, I mean, you could have you could have won for me. Like, that's all I ask. Like, that's all I need you to do. Just win for me, dude. Oh, sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Javante Williams. Woo! So good! That's what we've been waiting for, man. That's all I want to say. I don't even really have much more. He was just so good. He was very good. Another guy who falls forward, but then he just keeps running. He just, like, he... Dude, the break tackles is dude, insane. It, it, it's, it, yeah. And he's, he's and it's what, not he's even, like, like, breaking a tackle. They, like, call it a break tackle, but yeah. he's just, like, moving, and they're just barely touching Yeah, they bounce like, off yeah, of him. He's yeah. like, I don't really want to go down right now. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll fall down up there. i got to get up there, guys. <laughs> so. so it's certain that Denver re-signs Melvin Gordon. Oh, for sure. Right? They're paying him big money, dude. <laughs> big money. <laughs> but, yeah, Javante Williams was awesome. That's why everybody drafted him where he was. He was 23 for 102 and six receptions for 76 yards and a touchdown. I think... The- that is the huge part. The receptions, yeah. like, yeah, dude. that was, and he was catching it very effortlessly. It looked yeah. good. Yeah. It's the, uh, you know, the first time he's played without Melvin Gordon when he was the, the bell cow and he bell cowed. Oh, dude, that's, you're like, oh shit, that's why we drafted this guy. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what you saw in college. That's what we were all hoping to see. Um, we thought that the Broncos would just see that in practice and on the field enough, but at this point of the season where he would have just taken over that role. Right, and right. Uh, I'm hoping, I mean, Melvin Gordon, it looks like he's going to be playing this week. So we'll see how they do it. Instead of like 50-50 where it's exactly been, hopefully we'll see more of like a 75-25 because I think Gordon is still good enough to get some play. Um, but, I mean, how do you put that genie back in the bottle, man? Right, that right. Was, and, I mean, it is tough too because, I mean, Melvin Gordon's been good. Yeah, no, I he's mean, he has been. You know? He doesn't look doing, old. Yeah, uh, no, he yeah. really doesn't. So, But, you, yeah, you're right. We all thought that it would be so much more than a 50-50 by now. Yeah. And we'll see. Maybe this game helped. Maybe it didn't. You know? Um, a couple injuries of the week. Nothing crazy we're going to get into. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both got put on the COVID list. Um, Keenan Allen is vaccinated, but he needs to get two negative tests within 24 hours. Um, which he's starting to run out of time, but he can still do it, so pay attention to that, but it's not for sure that he's getting back. Mike Williams is not vaccinated, and being a close contact, he has to miss five days no matter what, so yeah, he's so out he's, this week. Yeah, there's nothing, not there's nothing he can do. He, yeah. He's out this week no matter what, so that's a bummer. We'll get into more of that a little bit later. Adam Thielen had a high ankle sprain on it was like the first play of the game it was right? the first play of the yeah, game yeah man just ruined everybody's day who played him well made my day i was playing against him i was playing against him too <laughs> yeah, so i yeah. didn't hate it but you never like to see anybody get hurt yeah. but it does sound like for sure one to two weeks i mean minimum he's out this week for sure yeah and even with with a high ankle sprain like you they can't get back to speed till like a good five six weeks later right. they can play but they're not themselves for a good six weeks I almost feel like Adam Thielen doesn't need the speed, you know? Like he but he, kinda, he needs the cuts, <laughs> and you need well, an ankle to do that. Maybe you want to cut one way, you know? Yeah, there you go. Throw into that wind. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is weird, but he's only cutting left. <laughs> 
How do we guard this? You know, guard to the right. You're trying to fake us out this whole time. He's going to do it one of these times. <laughs> Logan Thomas, tight end for oh. the Washington football team. Oof. Uh, it was feared that he tore MCL, ACL. MS, MRI said no. Yeah. But they didn't really release more. They just said it was a significant injury, but it doesn't look like the tendons are torn. But he's on IR for the rest of the season. He's done. Yeah, I, I forget was, where I saw it, but I think he did have a tear in the MCL, just not the ACL. So it okay, wasn't a whole okay. knee yeah, explosion, yeah, yeah. but one of the tendons is out, and it's a significant enough one where they're just not gonna they're not gonna have him back this year. Yeah, it's a bummer. He was starting to look part of the. He yeah, got a know, touchdown. Yeah, like part a of the good touchdown. Again, yeah, so. he went up and grabbed it. Kenyon Drake. Broke his ankle, um, done for the season, has to get surgery on that. Um, unfortunately, it's good news for Josh Jacob owners. I, you just traded for Which Josh I Jacob. Which I now am, yeah. League, I was going right? to say, that's so, the, only, I mean, the only place I have him. And I, I didn't draft him hoping, him, hoping Kenyon Drake would get hurt. Um, I did draft him. It, it seems to be an ongoing thing with him where it's like, well, next year, he should have like a better grasp or not even him having a better grasp. The coaching staff should have a better grasp on how to utilize him because you watch him. He's still very explosive. He's still a, a good to great pass catcher. I've seen him run some very nice routes and catch a ball in stride and make plays with it. And he's starting to get used in that a little bit more often as well. I think he had like eight or nine catches the That's other week. I, I was and, just trying um, to look that up. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, yeah, it was nine for nine. Nine for week. nine, yeah. That's great. So f- fire him up. Um, and, I mean, honestly, I'm hoping – I traded for him for one to um, get DK off my team. Like, we've talked about it. I, I really like his talent, but I think he's a bonehead. And it's, that's a roller coaster I don't want to be on. Um, so I traded him uh, Josh Jacobs, and I got a first. And um, I'm, I'm pretty excited because I'm actually contending in that league now. So hopefully that, uh, this Josh Jacobs news will help me, uh, help me make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that it's good. Unfortunately, it's good news for Josh Jacobs, and I hope that they do see what he's capable of and use him that way. I have been a Kenyon Drake truther for years and years. All the way back in the Dolphins days. Oh, yeah. I um, woke up yesterday to a trade. I was getting Kenyon Drake for a third in a league, in a dynasty league, and I was like, it tugged at my heartstrings. And I checked my roster and checked my roster, and not only is my IR full, which we have five or six spots, my IR is full, and I had another guy on my bench (laughs) that could go into my IR. So I wrote the guy back, and I was like, you almost got me. You almost got me. But I was like, "I, I just don't have the room. Yeah. He was like, well, you know, trade deadline. Thought he's your boy. Yeah. That would have been hard for me to turn down. Yeah. I'd I'd pay a third for him. Uh, Yeah. I'll tell you what league. All right. (laughs) Joe Burrow, he had a pinky finger injury. Yeah. It looked pretty bad. It looked pretty bad. And it was showing him, it kept showing him close-ups of him trying to warm up on the sidelines. And he was grimacing. And he was. Ball was just falling out of his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It looked really bad. But he came back in the game and played okay. I mean, threw some throws that there was a couple of that looked a little iffy at the beginning, but yeah. after I, a few I think drives, he adapted to it pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, he threw one to the sideline that was a pretty long throw for, you know, it only gained him six yards, but the throw was a pretty long throw. Yeah, like and the air distance. The air yeah. distance, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got it out there, got it out there pretty good. Yeah. So um, I saw a thing that he said uh, Monday, Tuesday, anyways, he said it was swollen. But that he thinks he should he should be good to play through it. He's gonna play through it. Like he's he's just that type of personality where he's just like, 
nothing's going to stop him except for his knee exploding. <laughs> like right. he's, he's a very determined, uh, determined individual, and I like that about him a lot. Um, even with the uh, uh, sprain, is it a sprain in his pinky? Yeah, I think so. Like his average depth of target in that game, even after I looked up from the snap afterwards, it was the se second highest of the season okay. for him. So yeah, he's great. still not scared to drive the ball down the field. It also helps um, that they're getting T. Higgins uh, the ball more often uh, because he's running those intermediate routes, the middle of the field, and also deep routes as well. So um, now that he's more part of the offense, uh, the depth of target is going to just keep keep at about 10 to 15 yards a pass, which is fucking awesome for, yeah, for the talent on that team. Yeah. Too, yeah. All right, we'll move on to some questions from the bar. This is where you guys reach out to us through our Facebook or through our email. And just, you know, a quick question, or in this case, it's another statement from the bar. Our buddy Dan Collins says that Baker Mayfield is just a sober Johnny Manziel. <laughs> and to that I say nay. He is the best thing since sliced bread. And I will retort with, you, my friend, are just a drunker version of, of well, someone who's cooler than you. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. I think you're taking this a little personal, Nick. I love Baker. <laughs> I, uh, I made a comparison earlier on in the year. Do you remember what that was? Nope. <laughs> I said Baker Mayfield is basically the new Phillip Rivers. <laughs> okay. Okay, I don't remember that. Probably because it tugs at my heart a little bit. It was bit. Uh, a game where he was driving down in the fourth quarter and threw an interception that was just horribly horrendous. Um, and he is like two for nine <laughs> in those games. And I... I like Philip Rivers. He was my boy for a decade and a half. I liked him a lot. But we were talking about this before. There's players where they have the ball in their hand in the fourth quarter where you need a win and they have one drive to do it. I could almost always count on him to throw a horrible interception or a fumble or something like that. He did have like 25 game-winning drives and he was awesome. Uh, people think that he was super clutch. Like the announcers were always like, there's nobody you want more than Phillip Rivers. But as somebody who watched every single one of his games, I could, I could see uh, Baker falling down that same path, man. <laughs> Do you think that's why Rivers has so many kids? <laughs> it's got to be, man. <laughs> Losing interception goes home. Fuck my wife. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Rivers. That's a lot of intercourse. <laughs> oh man, we're the worst. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into set it and regret it. Let's talk about a couple players or start sit situations that we pretty much blew. We're talking about our own teams, guys that we had to decide on, and we failed. Yeah. You want to start? You want me to start? I'll, I'll go ahead and start because this is kind of like a humble brag um, because I had two really good players to start. Um, but I made the wrong decision, and it's because I had to rush into that decision. So I've been um, setting up this team for my playoff run for weeks now. It's, it's one of my leagues that I'm very confident that I'll at least be in the championship game on. And um, I have Dak Prescott, who I had all season, and then I traded for Kyler Murray when he was hurt. Uh, to kind of have for my playoff run. And now that he's back, I should have started Kyler Murray. But with the Cowboys playing on Thursday night, I um, was forced to make that decision following Kyler missing, what, two weeks and then a bye. Right. And I kind of thought he was going to be able to play before the bye. Everybody knew he was going to start after the bye, but it's still not a risk he kind of want to take. 
and it does help that Dak Prescott is your other option. So I didn't feel too bad about it. But um, Dak got me uh, 11 points, and that sucked. And uh, Kyler got me 31 points. Kyler had, a good, Kyler had a good game. He had a really good game. Should have started Kyler. I probably should have started Kyler. I think I wrote you like 10 minutes into the game, and I was like, shit, I think I should have started Kyler, bro. And um, Good analysis. I, I really, really good at calling shit after it happens. And it, it um, I, I won, but I, the point total, like I could have used those points because then I could have locked up the number one seed. And now I like still have to win and, and you know, win by 20 points basically on this last week uh, and not have the other guy who's the two seed go off insanely, which he's capable of doing. His team is very good. So I would have much rather had all that locked up right now. But instead, um, you know, this week means something, which is also still cool. So, I mean, but it was, a, it, was the, it was the wrong choice. Yeah, yeah, I had some wrong choices. I had been a – I am a truther. I think Sonny Michelle is a good running back. Yeah, you put your staple on it. Yeah, and I, you know, with Daryl Henderson being injured, I was ready to ride Sonny Michelle. I have him in a lot of places because I, you know, planted my flag on him. So I put him in. And then Sunday, got the alert, Daryl Henderson, active. Active. So I had a couple places where I played Sony Michelle because I didn't really have a better option. But in my favorite league, my best league, my super team, I had a better option. I had Clyde Edwards-Alaire on my bench, and so I made the swap. I put in Clyde Edwards, Sony Michelle on my bench, Daryl Henderson's active, no. Nope. What that active didn't tell you is active for emergency yes. use only. So CEH got me, I think, four, four and a half, and uh, I lost by three. Yeah. Sony yeah. Michelle ended up in our league, I think, at almost tw- almost 25. Yeah. So that, that hurt really bad. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the wrong decision by a lot. That's- that was the league. I was 10 and 0. I'm now yeah. 10 and 3. I had a two-game lead on the one spot. Now there's a chance if I lose this week and the three seed wins next week, there's a chance I follow the three seed. Yeah, what's really funny so that is that was a big. Yeah, you, you said it was your best league, and I didn't think you were talking about that one anymore because your three-game losing streak. Damn, that hurts. <laughs> well, it was nice doing the podcast. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for hanging out. In another league, I actually when I saw that same alert that said Daryl Henderson is active i switched him out it wasn't sony michelle that i switched him out for i'm trying to think who it was it was not somebody that was very good oh i think it was latavius murray like i was right. stuck playing somebody so i had him in oh my gosh daryl henderson's active mm-hmm. i put him in he didn't didn't play a snap yeah so. i think i did i did the same thing i started henderson in a league where i had uh brita and Hines starting both would have been better obviously but i was like sweet henderson's playing oh yeah, god thank yeah. god yep lost that one yeah, that, that was a tough loss. Let's get into our six-pack of the week, but we're actually going to do a 12-pack of the week this year. This is going to be a little heavier drinking episode than usual. Nice. Yeah, we like to get a little crazy here. So what we did is we decided to take the 2021 rookies and redraft them, right? Starting at 1, and we'll go to 12, and we'll kind of put them where we have them for this year. Yeah, now that we have some clarity, we've had a chance to see all of them play. 
um, and uh, kind of showcase their, their talent in the, in the NFL. It's, it's always a weird transition. You can see somebody just bonkers in college and just right. totally shit the bed in, in the NFL. So now that we've got, you know, almost an entire fantasy season in the books, uh, we, can, we can make some educated draft picks here. So We went super scientific and rolled a couple dice, and <laughs> I got the number one pick. Um, and with that pick, I took Najee Harris, running back for Pittsburgh. He is, he was the consensus number one running back going into the season. Well, maybe not. I mean, he, but I think he was the majority number one running back going into the season. Yeah, it was kind of split him and him and Javante, um, but almost everybody was. Out. Yeah, I think he was the, definitely the majority. Yeah. Um, on the year, he's the number five running back on the year. He's number four in rush attempts. And number two in running back receptions. He's actually passed Austin Eckler. And he would be my number one pick. What Pittsburgh does with their running back, the amount of opportunities they give them, I would I would take him number one for sure. Yeah, just the whole Pittsburgh culture has always been like grinded out football and they love their big bruising running backs. You know, it, he fits that perfectly. So that's that's a great number one pick. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Javante. I mean, uh, he's looked good all year. Uh, We finally got to see what he'll look like with that backfield all to himself, and that turned into 178 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Uh, Dude's catching the ball, stays on the field for all three downs. I had him ranked dead even with Najee going into the draft. I I loved his college tape. I thought he was going to explode in the NFL. And uh, where he landed, sharing the backfield, uh, like we were saying, we were hoping to see it all all season, and um, we're finally starting to get to see it, and I think that's what it's going to look like moving forward. And if that is going to be his backfield moving forward, the other three teams in that division are on the bottom half of run defense. So that can lead to a very productive career, at least for the next three or four years. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm big on Javante, man. Yeah, I think if I was drafting with my heart at the number one, I would have taken Javante. I just think... Draft, trying to draft in my head what Pittsburgh does consistently year in, year out. It's a smart pick. That's why I went there. Yeah. All right. With the number three pick, I went Kyle Pitts, Ooh. tight end for Atlanta. Um, he has just been everything that we wanted and more, just without the touchdowns. Without the touchdowns, yeah. Right now, he's the number 10 tight end, but as a rookie, which yep. it doesn't one, happen. One touchdown. <laughs> right. He's um, only th- – so he's number 10 – as a rookie, number 10 tight end, but he's number 39 in touchdowns for, for tight ends. I mean, like, yeah. the number – some of the guys that I was looking through the list when I put it in tight – I don't even know who they are yeah. that have, like, two touchdowns. Right? Yeah. Jeez. He's number three in tight end receiving yards. So he's so involved. He's getting the ball. I mean, to do this as a rookie, hope just means that his ceiling just keeps growing. Yeah, I – I, I was watching, uh, rewatching the game um, this last week, and he is so heavily targeted down the field. And it, every one that he didn't catch was either like just the defender tapped it right before it got to him, 40 down, 40 yards down the field, so he couldn't, you know, track it down like the six inches away where it it shifted its movement. Or uh, Matt Ryan kind of threw a bonehead pass, like either too far right. behind him or let him a bit much. But he's getting heavily targeted down the field, yeah. and um, he's going to keep getting targeted. And eventually, those touchdowns will come. So that's that's a that's a great pick. I uh, I went ahead 
and uh, went with my boy here. And I think everybody knows I've been high on Waddle, and I've loved him lately. Yep. And yep. Uh, I'm sure people will lose their shit over me taking him over Chase. But uh, I just want to take a minute and look back. Before the draft, Chase and Waddle were like 50-50 referred to on like who the, the number one wide receiver was going to be. Um, I think a lot of people were on the Chase uh, bandwagon because he was going to his college quarterback, Joe Burrow, right, and that chemistry right. was there. They won a title. And um, I don't know why that's not talked about more with Waddle and Tua. Like, they had a year where Waddle kept playing where uh, Jones was the quarterback, and he did great there, too. But, like, he had time with Tua and did very successful I th- things. I think it was just that more people were down on Tua more than, more than it that's was. That's true. That's, that's absolutely true. But, I mean, Tua's looked better this oh, year. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been pretty rad. Uh, this dude has the second most receptions in the NFL, not, not just for rookies, the second Crazy. most receptions in the NFL. Um, and that's what's got me most excited, man. He's getting heavily targeted. He's yet to really show his explosive playmaking ability, and you've seen that with Chase already. So if Waddle can turn some of these plays where he's just catching you know, a little 15-yard pass, house it, um, like we've seen from Jamar Chase, and we know Waddle is capable of, we're just going to see those numbers go further and further up, and that's just an aspect of his game we haven't seen yet, and we've seen it in Jamar Chase. And um, so there's still more that I think we're going to get out of Waddle, and he's a, the wide receiver 11 already. Right. So I think that potential to be a top five wide receiver is more than realistic. I kind of anticipate it in the next you know, couple years, he's going to be up in that super top tier receiver. It's going to be going in the first or second round on, on redraft leagues. And um, so that's, uh, that's, that's who I'm taking. Man. Yeah, no, I think that there is going to be people that are surprised that he went before Jamar Chase. But sitting as the pick after, if you would have taken Jamar Chase there, I would have taken Jalen Wong. Yeah, so right, it's not right. like, it's not that if you take him there, he drops to number 10 or something yeah, like that. Like yeah. He would have been the next pick. So I'm happy you know, at five to gladly take Jamar Chase. Of course. He's wide receiver six on the season, number five in receiving yards ahead of guys like Tyreek, uh, Chris Godwin, Keenan Allen. Um, and he did, he started off really hot with some really big plays in the beginning, and then he's kind of slowed down, but still having a great season. You know, had a play this last week where if he, you know, oh, catches dude. the ball in stride. He's gone for another, you know, 40, 50 yards and a touchdown. Oh, 70 yards. That was, they were on the 20. Okay, yeah. You know, like, and, and that would have, you know, bumped him up more and would have looked good and everyone would have shut up again. But he dropped it, which, you know, is the thing that everyone's down on is his drops. And then it even turned into an interception, so that was bad. But Jamar Chase at five, and especially in a dynasty league, I will take that yeah. all day, every day, forever. Yeah, home run. Uh, I'm going to stick with wide receiver here. In in Dynasty, I like to have my young wide receivers because they last a lot longer. Um, I like to fill up my roster with young wide receivers before everything else. So I'm going to take Elijah Moore. And he got off to a slow start. And uh, guess what? That could just be because he's on the Jets' offense. It could not entirely be. And a fault. rookie. I mean, and that's that's not surprising for a rookie. To yeah. Remember, like, it used to take to the third year oh, for yeah. wide receivers to be usable. And now, like... Uh, people people were starting to doubt him because he started off. He, first of all, he, he got injured in the offseason, too. So he started off kind of slow. Um, but then when the Jets went on that car- quarterback carousel, in the middle of the season, he really started to force himself to be recognized as a key part of that offense. 
I think it was his growth in the system that really coincided with the quarterbacks as well who were starting to just look for the open man instead of having a set pattern of what they were going to do, like uh, Zach Wilson might have had also another rookie who's still learning the NFL and the NFL right, offenses right. and everything. Yeah, and the and, quarterback position. I mean, learning that, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it, right now he's averaging 10 targets a game and just under 15 yards per catch. So that's over the last, like, four or five four or five weeks. So um, with that amount of targets, and then when he does catch the ball, it's turning into bigger plays. Like, that's that's a great stat line week to week. And then when Wilson came back, he started looking to more – he started looking to more and more frequently. Uh, and uh, right. his, his snap count has just gone up. He's learning more and more. When you're learning more and more, they leave you out on the offense. They don't take you off the field. And um, it's been going up since week six, and it's been consistent. So it uh, could have had something to do with Corey Davis being injured, uh, but they drafted the dude to do exactly what he's doing right now, just be a stud, be on the offense. Uh, he's quick. Um, I think he's under six foot, but he plays big, man. He, he plays like a badass. Right. Uh, I don't anticipate him losing any of the touches or being taken off the field at all, even yep, when Corey yep. Davis does come back. So he's, he's my number six, and I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, and I would say that those six – are the top six the order could change depending you know who you are and mm -hmm. who's drafting and depending on your team makeup possibly but i would say those six are the top six yeah i, I would say pretty consensus um i have seven and i'm going to take devonta smith um he's wide receiver number 29 but he's rookie wide receiver four right after the three guys that just went before him mm -hmm. and i think that Drafting him, you're basing it more off what he's going to become, not so much what he's done this season, but I think, like I said, after those top six, we're now into guys that, you know, have, a, have some definitely some upside to them, and I think that getting a Devonta Smith in Dynasty, where you're going to have him for years, he's already showing he's had some big games he just hasn't quite had the consistency but as we talked about earlier he also has a quarterback yes. who likes to run the ball and doesn't necessarily throw great passes he's not throwing receivers open he's yeah. not you know hitting them in stride all the time so I'm happy to take Devonta Smith here at seven uh, I think that though this year I would struggle with having him he wouldn't be breaking my lineup every time um I, especially at seven, you're, st you're still a contender in the league. You still have, you know, a decent team. Um, I'm happy to add him to my squad. Yeah, it's like one of two things is going to happen with Devontae Smith. Either Hertz is going to get better, in which case Devontae Smith will benefit from that, or they're going to replace Hertz, which Devontae Smith will benefit right, from right, that. Right, we'll right benefit now, too. Yeah, right now I think he's, he's at a very – one of the lower points you're going to be able to buy him at. He might even get a little bit lower if Hertz continues to – kind of throw the ball out of reach of anybody. Um, but, yeah, I love the dude coming out of college. So far from what I've seen from him, he's very capable in the NFL. Um, he's going to be even better if a quarterback can throw him the ball where he could actually catch it. I think it's going to be awesome. So that's a, a great pick. I think he's going to be one of those guys that right, right about the time that the NFL draft happens and right about the time that you're getting close to your rookie draft and you have kind of a later first, you're picking pick eight, pick nine, pick 10. Uh, I'm going to throw that pick out to the Devonta Smith owner. That's when the rookies have the most height and mm -hmm. you're going to start hearing about, you know, some of the wide receivers out there and some of the running backs out there. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw my first at him and say, Hey, I'll give you this year's first. You give me Devonta Smith. Yo, and you'll you'll and, get bites on that. Right, right. And 
you know, there's a chance that one of the wide receivers out there, you know, turns into what he's going to become, of course. I mean, that is the gamble, but I'd rather have a guy that's already shown he can do it, already showed yeah. that he can be a NFL wide receiver. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, that's a steal for me. Yeah, just imagine if, like, Russell Wilson or, or Deshaun Watson or somebody goes there next year. Oh, God, yeah. Fucking, right? like, yeah, that's, uh, that's worth a first for sure. Um, I went ahead and took Michael Carter, number eight. Yeah, good pick. And um, it, it's, it's more of a positional pick for me. I like Carter, and I like what he was starting to show before he got his injury. Um, but with running back being such a thin position, and you can get a running back as utilized in the pass game as he was, that, that's a huge boost uh, for PPR and half-point PPR leagues. Um, even if he finishes kind of slow this year after clearing IR from a high ankle sprain, again, he can come back on the field, but you might not look the same. Um, I, I still feel like he's going to have more than the value that you're paying right now at the 1-8. I, th- I do think if you can get a, a running back with catching ability, it's going to pay off five times over because even when you're, even when you're getting blown out, you still use your running backs. As, uh, as part of your offense. You don't get schemed out. So um, it, he's going to be my guy, and I do think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, he's looked great. I have him actually – I don't have a lot of him in Dynasty, unfortunately, but I have him in a couple of redraft leagues, and he was easily starting as my you know my flex spot. He was my, my running back three, was starting there, and, and I was happy to play him. It was a bummer when he went on IR. You know, that hurt my, hurt my squad. Yeah. But, yeah, in Dynasty – the guy's great. And, I mean, he's playing for the Jets. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not an offensive powerhouse. <laughs> no, so the fact that he is catching the ball already, he's, he's running the ball well, um, he's definitely somebody that, that I would I would probably would have taken him there as well. And he's, he's kind of a big jump. Uh, you know, not huge, but he was, he was definitely a little bit later, second-round guy, I feel yeah. like, last year. And yeah. I feel like his play made the jump. As does my next pick. Um, I'm going to take Elijah Mitchell here at nine. That's a huge And that's jump. a huge jump. <laughs> yeah. He was going, I mean, in all my leagues, he was going consistently in the fourth round. Yeah. Uh, there's probably leagues out there that he was undrafted. But it's hard for me to pass up just that, I mean, right now he is the 49ers number one running back. Um, there's a chance he is that for the next two to three years. Yeah. And the way he's been playing and what he's offering, I don't think there's anybody else that I would – for sure stick a flag in and say, oh, this is going to be somebody better. Um, so for myself, I gladly take what his output's been for the year and hope it moves on into next year. And if Mostert comes back, the Niners have also shown that they're not a one-man – you know, they're not they're yeah. not Pittsburgh. They don't yeah. just give their one guy 80%. They're going to split it up anyways. So even if Mostert is back, Elijah Mitchell will still be somebody that you can flex at the worst. Yeah, and when they do use two running backs, they're both utilized. Right, Like, right. it's not like, okay, we'll give this guy 80% and the other guy's going to get 20. Like, both, both players, in, and especially in this offense, like, both – Elijah Mitchell and Mostert, like, they'll break off a 40-yard run. Yeah, dude. yeah. And you just need a couple of those, and uh, you're, you're sitting pretty there. I mean, this dude is already rushed for, what is it, like, just under 800 yards. He's got 759 rushing yards and 126 receiving yards. So he's at, like, 900 yards for the season. He didn't start week one. And 
he's just looked good. Yeah, like, yeah, you watch yeah. a game, he looks good. Like, and, and you're at a point where you're, you're taking flyers on people, and why not on a guy that can do that and yeah. has, done, has done Yeah, that. he's already – that's why these are, are so fun because it's like, oh, well, what if – like, there's so many what ifs going into the season. That's right. what the whole draft is. It's a big lotto shoot. Like, that's going to be my next guy here. Uh, so you don't know. But then now, like, we've seen it. We've seen what they can do, and we've seen it long enough where it's not a fluke. Like, right. anybody can have a big boom game and then just disappear forever. Um, but, you know, Elijah's shown that he can do it. Uh, my next guy here is Pat Fryermuth, man. I, yep. uh, I just I, I dig this dude. Um, I, if it weren't for Kyle Pitts being this world-changing, all-once-in-a-lifetime talent coming out at tight end, uh, Fryermuth was very highly regarded coming out of college. And he would have been... He would, he would have been highly sought after. I think there's an argument right now that more people are talking about Fryermuth than they are talking about Pitts. Yeah. Almost because the, the, the surprise, for one, but he's also been scoring the touchdowns it's and the he's touchdowns. had some bigger games where, yeah. you know, Kyle Pitts has just been consistent but not great. Yeah. You know, like when you put all Kyle Pitts' numbers together, you're like, oh, my God, this guy's number three in yards and he's this and he's that. And he doesn't wow you on a consistent basis where Fryermuth has just come out of nowhere and he's wowing you. Like yeah. he, without Pitts, he would hands down be the number one tight oh. end in, in this draft pass and would be talked about as, you know... People would be losing their shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be comparing him to the next Antonio Gates or Tony right, Gonzalez right, because, sure. because he's, he's, he's a shifty receiver. He blocks like a, a stud. I've seen him laying some people on their ass. It's great. And um, he's catching touchdowns, man. He's got five touchdowns in the last six weeks. Um, one week where he didn't have a touchdown, he got a two-point conversion. That's good for your fantasy day, too. Um, he's getting an increase in snap count every week by about 10%. He's still only at 70% snap count. So I anticipate by the end of the year he's gonna, they're not taking him off the field because right, he can right. run block, yeah, he can yeah, pass, yeah. he can do all that stuff. So um, he is definitely somebody that I'm happy to have on my team. I am a bit cautious because we have no idea who the quarterback's going to be next year. It doesn't sound like it's going to be Big Ben. Um, I hope it's not for the fantasy value. Big Ben, you've had a great career, but it's time to turn it over to somebody else. Um, I... Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were saying I, not no, I said bye. Yeah. Um, so uh, that, that's, that's who I got, and, and I only see him getting better. He's already good. I see him getting better. Yeah, no, he is, he's been great. I, unfortunately, don't have any shares of him, and that's mostly because the leagues I, that I had the opportunity, I took Kyle Pitts, so I have two to three shares of Kyle Pitts, and so where Fryermuth was going, I either didn't have picks or I was – thought I was already, you know, set, set yeah. at tight end. And, I mean, I am. I'm happy to have Kyle Pitts. I'm happy to draft Kyle Pitts in this draft at three. But I think Fryermuth is going to be somebody that you're going to set in your lineup and you're going to be happy for the next ten years, you know, with him in somewhere between, you know, tight end three to five yeah. just consistently. I mean, depending who they get at quarterback. But we've all seen Pittsburgh throughout the years – not just sit back and oh we're gonna rebuild and not do anything. I yeah. think that they're gonna. I think they're gonna go for a quarterback. I think so too. I don't think they're gonna draft one. Okay, uh, that's back to me. Pick number eleven. I'm gonna take Travis Etienne. Um, that's 
strictly on his upside. Um, I think he's a great 111 pick. Uh, going into the year, he was easily a top six pick, arguably in the top three running back where arguably people were taking him in, you know, first, second, or third. Yeah. I think we felt third's pretty accurate. Yeah. But there was people out there that were taking him pretty early. Um, he went to Jacksonville, and I think we had just mentioned earlier <laughs> that we thought that was going to be a plus going to Urban Meyer's system yeah. and not sure we feel that way <laughs> yeah, anymore. No, it's a, no, it's a negative. <laughs> but at, you know, at 111, when he comes back next year to get him back on your team, I, I feel like that's setting yourself up to give yourself the chance to have a really great player um, it, at 111. And I don't think there's people really still available that I would take instead. Yeah, if he hits, he's going to be very good. Um, but if he doesn't, it's it's ugly. And, and that's where 111 comes into, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay there. I'm happy there. Yeah, and ATN's uh, been – he's kind of been an enigma for me. I really liked him in college, hearing about him, hearing about his stats. Uh, then I watched a couple games, and I didn't quite see it. And then I watched – I believe it was the, the two national championship games – and one, he got hurt, and the other one, he just didn't, he wasn't explosive. There wasn't anything super special about him uh, on those games. I'm not taking away the rest of his college career because he had a very prestigious college, collegiate, collegiate career. And um, I'm not, I don't want to take that away from him at all. It's just what I happened to stumble across and sure, see. Sure. I wasn't super blown away by him. So I've never been really high on him. But, I mean, you don't put up those types of numbers in college without being very talented. So that is a good pick for, for the 111. I think that's a super solid pick. Uh, I have something similar. Wide receiver, though, it's kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, this is a guy that I loved his tape, and I loved everything I saw from him when he was playing in college. Uh, his ability, his work ethic, his potential in this type of offense, I'm going to go with Rondell Moore. Uh, play, yeah, yeah. You know, he's played for the Cardinals. We've seen some glimpses of what he's capable of doing. There's that one remarkable catch. I think it was the second week of the season uh, where he's fully stretched out, where his like, very tip of his big toes are hitting inbounds, and he's like fully outlaid and catching a ball out of the bounds. And that's something that it, it, I wasn't even really – I shouldn't say I wasn't surprised because it was an incredible play, but it was like, oh, yeah, I've, I could imagine him doing that again. Like that's right, not something right. that's just a one-and-done type of play. Uh, his athletic ability during the combine, like he's just a wee little fella. He's a short guy, but he, I think he had the second highest vertical jump out of like overall height. So that means he had to jump higher than the tall guy who jumped. Crazy. Um, so he's incredibly athletic. Uh, I love uh, when when he's uh, being interviewed. Just the persona he puts out. It's very team driven. It's very uh, like. I've got to work hard and learn this system. He's not too full of himself. And I really dig that in wide receivers specifically because you get this stigma about wide receivers, about being divas, always wanting the ball. Uh, I really like team player wide receivers because they make the quarterback's life a lot easier where they don't have to have that, hear that chirping in the huddle. And they actually end up getting the ball more in the long run. That's like Larry Fitzgerald is like the king of that. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, he's on a team with A.J. Green, who might not be there next year. Hopkins is a year older. Uh, I don't want to say Hopkins is slowing down because he's still ch such a stud, but he's been a little injured this year, and we haven't seen the huge DeAndre Hopkins type of season that we're used to seeing. And just in this type of offense being run by Kyler Murray, 
being spread out everywhere. Everything is lightning fast. I think Rondo Moore fits that perfectly. And they're finding ways to manufacture him touches where I think, again, after another year of Kyler Murray getting hurt, missing a couple games on a designed run, they can use Rondo Moore to kind of ease that back a little bit. I don't think they're going to completely take running out of Kyler's game because he needs that. But I do think that they can figure out ways to get Rondo the ball more. <laughs> Rondo more. <laughs> and, uh, and um, you know, kind of ease some of that just beating that Kyler's body's been taking over the year. And I think with that type of opportunity, he's going to be I don't, I don't want to say he's going to be another Debo, but like that type of player that's going to u- be used in a run game and catch like screen passes. He's going to get a lot of yak yards. He's a quick guy. And again, he's really, really strong for such a little fella. So I think uh, I, th- I think he's got a, a very high ceiling. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be really good going forward. A.J. Green is definitely on his last leg, but he's a professional and a professional wide receiver. So you don't just take him out and put a rookie in. Right. But, you know, A.J. Green is on his way out. Um, You know that I'm a huge Kirk fan. Yeah. So um, (laughs) You're a liar, bro. (laughs) He can get out of here, too. Let's get (laughs) – give me more, more. Give me more Rondell. Let's let's get it going. Guys, that's it for our our 12-pack. That was how we see the the 2021 rookies. That's how we would draft them right now if we were in the rookie draft. And and I'm happy with that grouping. I'm happy with that order. Um, I'm happy with the guys I took and would have taken – the guys you took if they would have failed to me too yeah yeah i think that uh, i think that that turned out really well actually yeah yeah i'm i'm happy with it and hopefully we can nail it like that next year when we start talking <laughs> about next year's rookies oh, what do you mean we're definitely nailing it for sure for sure <laughs> okay let's get into some matchups that we think we can take advantage of for this next coming up week let's get into a couple couple guys that we think are going to do well in week 14 start us off yeah, and I'll try to be quick. I know we're getting a long in time here, but so Julio Jones, he's back from IR. A.J. Brown's out. A.J. Brown was getting eight and a half targets a game. Uh, I look for Julio to get a significant amount of those, and you add that to the five targets he was averaging before, we might get an old-school monster target share from Julio going against the third-worst defense in the league this week and maybe see a big yardage game, a lot of catches. That's who I'm targeting this week. Yep, I was looking for a flex, and I was looking in the league to see if Julio was out there, but he was on somebody's IR, so unfortunately I can't play him, but I agree that would be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first guy is disgusting, <laughs> but it's David Johnson at mm-hmm. Seattle. Um, Seattle has not been good at run defense this year, and I'm hoping that continues. I, I know it's a gross play, but uh, for myself, and I know there's other of us out there who have Colts running back and Eagles running back, um, <laughs> they're on bye this week. So this is the kind of stuff you're looking into. I'm hoping you can catch a few balls and get enough carries to get us somewhere in the 8 to 11 points. And I think that he at least has the opportunity to get more play, and you're not 100% way, you know, needing the touchdown, like I think Adrian Peterson is going to be, who yeah. I was also looking at for for somebody. But, I, yeah, I think David Johnson will be all right. I think you'll get us enough points. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. I, I hate to say it, but, I mean, he's utilized at least. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I was going to go with just 
uh, Guyton, um, Jalen Guyton from the Chargers uh, because I thought Keenan Allen was going to be out, and he definitely could fill that role. But now it sounds like Mike Williams is going to be out too. So I'm actually going to go with both of the Chargers wide receivers. If you can find a way to work Josh Palmer in, he's not super exciting. He's a rookie. But uh, coming out of college, he kind of had that undercover gangster like explosion type of game play to him. Uh, I know a lot of people were, were picking him up in the third, fourth round of our rookie drafts, kind of hoping that he would get a chance. And looks like he's going to be getting a chance this week for sure. Uh, this last week, Guyton, he had 90 yards and a touchdown. He's had big plays in the past. He stretches the field. Uh, I think that they're both solid plays if you can get them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they're both will be will be solid, and there's a chance, right, that both Williams and Keenan don't play. And, yeah, I mean, and they're playing the Giants. Yeah, like that should be enough for you, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna my next guy. I'm gonna stick with a pattern here of guys that four or five weeks ago would have been a no-brainer start, but they've kind of fallen on hard times. So I'm gonna go with Jamar Chase. Um, his last couple of weeks haven't been good. We already talked about if he would have caught that 70-yard touchdown, this would have been different. But I think there's people out there that are looking for reasons to bench him, and I think you don't need to do that this week. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be against my 49ers, but we are, we the 49ers, they are so thin at cornerback right now, um, losing guys this last week. There's just not good enough DBs to try to cover Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. I would yeah. start them both, yeah. unfortunately, just because I don't want to see the Niners get our asses kicked. But I think both guys are going to be able to run very free and get a lot of balls. As long as Joe Burrow's finger is okay, I would start them both. All right, guys, we just finished our 12-pack, and we know that sometimes when you guys out there finish a 12-pack, you start sending out trades. It doesn't get pretty. But it gives us some information to talk about, which is always fun. We take most of our bad trades from Bad Fantasy Football Trades on Facebook. This one is no different. This is a 12-team Superflex Dynasty League. It's important. Superflex. It is important. Superflex. And I will say it was before the Monday night game. Okay? <laughs> That's important. Yeah. So this, uh, this trade, um, a guy was offered. He was getting Cole Beasley. Um, and it, like I said, it was before the, the Monday game, so Coles Beasley hadn't sucked in like six days. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's a possession receiver. If you're in a full PPR, he can sometimes put up points. And all you got to do to get Cole Beasley is give up Mac Jones. <laughs> That's it. It's a rookie quarterback who's the best <laughs> record-wise rookie quarterback in this league in a super flex league. And have you seen the, <laughs> the little thing shown up about him compared to Tom Brady in their first 12 games or oh, whatever? Oh, yeah, no, he's better. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's better. <laughs> yeah, so, but, I mean, look, you could get a 32-year-old wide receiver who's averaged five or under targets in the last four weeks. <laughs> but his quarterback's so good. But his quarterback's really good, but, I mean... He's 32, so, I mean, Brady's playing at 44, so you still got 12 years of this guy. I mean, shit. Well, and that, <laughs> then you got 46 years of Mac Jones, then. If That's you fair. Take That's that fair. over. <laughs> Mac Jones has been so good, too. I mean, I don't, as the, the rookie quarterbacks, he came into the season with the least amount of hurrah. Yeah. And he's killing it. Dude, all he's doing is winning, man. All, yeah, he's, just beat the Bills. He's getting better every week. Um, except for this last one where he didn't want to throw in the wind. But I think that was a coaching thing. I honestly think, like, I don't think he was checking into those runs. No, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, think, I think Bill just did one of those things where he's like, listen, no audibles, 
you just got to do what I say this week. Trust me, we're going to win, and you don't have to do anything. And just, isn't, <laughs> isn't there an argument to be made that that is buying into New England's system? 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. To like just be like, yeah, yeah, I threw the ball three times. Yeah, and we yeah, won. And we won. Yeah. Suck it. it. Which, is, which, is, which is what you want to see from a quarterback. If he yeah. can buy into yeah. the Belichick system, and um, they still have uh, McDaniels there running that offense, like this is historically speaking, they're going to make Mac Jones very good. And they're the one seed now. And fucking doesn't it, it? Of course they're the goddamn one seed. <laughs> fucking Patriots. Don't get me started on that shit. What do you, <laughs> what do you think? What does it take for if you're the Mac Jones owner? What does it take for you to make a trade where you, you give up Mac Jones? Besides Cole Beasley? Besides <laughs> okay, Cole, I mean, yeah, besides Cole Beasley. So, okay, we've talked about this in the past. Starting quarterback is, starts at a, a first. Two firsts, really. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're that much better. And so you have a rookie who's 23, killed it all through college. He's killing it so far in the NFL. He's going to have at least 10 to 15 years on your team. Like, it's going to take two firsts and another startable player. And, and Cole Beasley isn't a startable player. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's almost, I mean, depending on your team makeup, but it's going to be a quarterback that, you know, is going to start as well. Maybe, you know, I mean, not a, a stud, but I want to want somebody who, you know, is at least going to be available for for help if I need it. And then, yeah, at least a first. For Derek sure. Carr. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody yeah, who you I can mean, throw in there if you need to. Because Derek Carr, at this point, we know what he is. He's going to have games, and he's going to have stretches of the season where he's going to be awesome. And then he's going to have stretches of the season where he sucks, and you have to figure those out. Where Mac Jones, we still don't know exactly what he's going to be. We just know he's going to be good. He's already good, and he's going to get better. And if you have Mac Jones and you're trying to trade him, you are showing them the Brady stats. Well, he's already better than Brady. Yeah. He's already oh, done this. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, yeah. I'm just letting you know, Cole Beasley does not get you Mac Jones, everybody. Come Fucking on. Cole Beasley, dude? Like, what does Cole Beasley get you? Would you give a fourth for Cole Beasley? No. Like, I don't, I don't want him on my team. I don't really. think I want him like, on my team. I don't, like, a fourth I could get Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> I mean, I think if you have Cole Beasley, you, you're praying that he has one of those, you know, 12 target, nine catch games for 43 yards. Yeah. And you're like, hey, who wants to buy him for a fourth? Yeah, he, he has double digit targets four times this year, and he's turned those into some decent games. I'm not, I don't mean to just shit all over Cole Beasley. No, 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 go ahead. Go but ahead. I'm going to shit all over Cole Beasley. <laughs> like, he has four games, and in them, these 13 targets, 13 targets, uh, 13 targets, and 11 targets. And okay. he's, he, he's only passed 10 receptions on one of those, only went over 100 yards on one of those. Uh, he doesn't catch a lot of touchdowns. I think he has one on the year. Yep, that's right. He's got one touchdown on the year. Uh, so he's not even, like, really getting you all the time full PPR, like, volume. Like, that's the stigma. That's what probably what this person offering him away is hoping that this other person will still think of is he's a PPR machine. Um, and he's not anymore, man. Like, the, like I said, the last, the last uh, four weeks, he's getting under five targets. He's getting schemed out, man. He's... And his, his time on the field is drastically decreasing, too. He's like 50%, 55%, 70%. I mean, this last week was pretty nice at 69. But, you know, it's like... Noise. It's like, what? Yeah, let me give you my fucking quarterback for the next 15 years for that guy. Hold on. One more thing, though. One more thing, okay? If you are the guy that sent this trade out, one, you're a piece of shit. But two, <laughs> if you sent this trade out, 
on Tuesday morning, are you like, see, see, <laughs> should have made this trade, should have made the trade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would be that type of guy because you, you sent you the said, fucking trade out. Yeah. <laughs> you would be that type of guy. You're like, withdraw. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking my victory lap on Cole yeah. Beasley. Two completions, you suck. <laughs> Jeez. Guys, remember, it's Thursday. Unflex your flex players. Let's make sure to move your wide receivers into the wide receiver spots. Move your running back into running back spots. Just give yourself the flexibility for the rest of the week where you're not stuck having to play Cole Beasley and your wide receiver because you played your other stud, you know. In flex. And now Mike Williams has COVID. Right. (laughs) And you're stuck. So move your flex players. That always helps you out when you get into the Sunday-Monday games. Um, we did have two five-star reviews this week. We're, thank you so much. We're really happy about that. Uh, great friend of the show, Happy Feaster, says, keep up the good work. These guys are the best. Great insight, top-notch analysis, and tremendous chemistry. Mm. Would love to have a beer with them and talk shop. Ooh, let's ah, do it. Timbo, you're always invited, man. Yeah. Let us know. Hophead1987 says, funny and informative. These guys definitely know how to drink beer. It's fact. Hashtag facts. (laughs) The depth of knowledge is impressive. That knowledge translated and broken down into different league formats is such an interesting listen. Keep up the good work. Hophead1987, also a loyal listener. We love having you. You have been very instrumental in helping this podcast get going, so we appreciate you a lot. Um, I think that's it, yeah? I think that is it, yes. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, just to remind you, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Um, we're on SoundCloud. It definitely helps when you guys give us those reviews. Uh, we love reading them on air. It also helps people find our show. Yep. When you search fantasy, we want to be one of the shows that shows up. So keep doing that. You can also hit us on our email, fantasyondraft at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you uh thanks tip your bartender (laughs) have a beautiful day make somebody smile today later